0: It's a bluegrass Christmas in Branson with a friend of the music universe, Ms. Ronda Vance. Buddy, what's up? How was your Thanksgiving? Ah, it was, uh, it was
1: fine. Just, you know, normal, just kind of hanging around and cooked and, and stuff. Uh, how was yours? Good, good. uh, the only turkey was me. <laughs> <laughs> well... That, uh, that's all right. You've had quite the year of traveling and it's not done yet, which we'll get to a little later, I'm sure. But, um, Branson, Branson in November Christmas time, you said before starts November 1st with them on a, an episode a a few episodes ago. What was it like seeing shows? Tell us whatever you want to tell us about the shows and you chatted with Rhonda and
0: it was, it was fun. So As a lot of you know by now, we saved myself and an organization down there and a gentleman down there named Marshall Howden. We saved the Jim Stafford Guitar Marquee Mm -hmm. uh, on top of the iconic Jim Stafford Theater. That symbol is an icon of Branson. Didn't want to let it go to waste. So we're working on uh, getting that off the building. It was supposed to come off on a Tuesday while I was down there. But unfortunately, due to some logistics, we weren't able to make the necessary cuts at that time uh, to, dis- to, to de- uh, de-building it. I'm <laughs> searching for a word here, and I don't know. But to, to separate it from the building, we weren't able to make the, the necessary cuts to the rebars that we needed to do. So the construction company is going to go back uh, and uh, do this before the holiday very, very excited. Uh, I cannot wait until December 14th because that is the date I pay off the credit card. <laughs> <And then laughs> I officially own the damn thing. <laughs> and the bank doesn't. Right. So, well, uh, what, what are the plans? Do, are you able to reveal that yet? It is going to a something called the route 76 ticket center it's an old gas station this is the plan right now and it's a very loose plan forgive me folks i'm a little stuffy but at least i have my voice back i had strep throat and i found out i even had strep while i was in missouri uh you know because i can apparently suffer through anything uh (laughs) but uh on the mend doing better anyway uh so it's going to this place called the Route 76 Ticket Center. They want to do a little Branson Show Museum, Branson History, and they have the they have very unique to a place on the strip. They actually have the space outside to display this on the ground ground level while plugging it in. So it'll be a really oh, cool nice. Instagram Instagram uh spot for folks that want to come to Branson and gram their trips to the Ozark to the Ozarks, Uh, and I spoke with Jim Stafford, and he said, well, that's a, and he lives in Florida now, so he tongue-in-cheek said, well, that's a really great advertisement for me. (laughs) (laughs) What, um, any plans on when that may happen where people will be able to actually go and do that? We're going to kind of plop it right there uh, when it's off the building, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, it's just going to kind of go there. Well, I don't know if we'll be able to light it. I was going to say, uh, let's hope but, you're not stuck with that uh, energy bill. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> this is what we call licensing negotiations, buddy. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> n- no, we're going to talk with the company, and I'm sure they'll be cool with it, and we'll figure out what we're going to do. But we're going to kind of, like, put it there, <laughs> maybe try to turn it on. Uh But we're going to have the real ceremony and probably really be able to get in there and deal with the electronics and stuff in the spring. And then I want to have a dedication ceremony uh, because Mm. there were a lot of folks who contributed financially to our ability to get it. Uh, There is a woman up in heaven, my dear sweet grandmother, who I swear, I swear had a hand in this because she passed away on October 13th, as we talked about on one episode mm-hmm. that we dedicated in her memory, um, she passed away on October 13th, and my bid card at the auction was 10:13. Mm. So those are the kinds of cosmic alignments that I don't believe are coincidences. right. So she was involved. We're going to get dedicated in her name and all the names of the folks who gave to us. Uh, and we're going to try to bring a certain uh, guitar and comedic genius up to Branson uh, to push the button and light it for the first time at its new home. Oh, cool. So that's that's where we're headed. I don't know how much of that is going to be true four, five, six months from now, Yeah. but that is where we're headed. Well, you know, you got to have a goal, you got
1: to have plans, and you just shoot for it and... See whatever happens.
0: Right. Right. I, look, Branson is changing. And there are a group of people, arguably led by Marshall, who want shows to remain the focus of Branson. And after this Rhonda interview, I'll give my unvarnished take. And if I offend anybody, this is the stuff I'll, I, I tell people in town all the time. Some of the stuff people agree with. Some of the stuff people don't. But Rhonda is someone who absolutely loves Branson. She loves coming there. She loves playing. She loves. She grew up coming there. She played, uh, sort of got her hours in, you know, uh, earning her stripes, if you will, uh, at Silver Dollar City growing up. Right. So so, you know, and this is somebody who has never forgotten where she comes from. Is always so down to earth to talk to. I feel when I talk to her, I feel like. Not only have I known her for a while, that she know she has known me for a while. Like yeah. that's just who she is, and that's why I say she's a friend of the music universe. Because anytime we want to do something with her, she's game. Uh, there's some pictures. I don't know if you posted them on social media or not, but you now have a poster signed by her. I do. I want to tell people before we go to the interview. We had been wanting because the first time we had Rhonda on the show was when she was announced. As the newest member of the Grand Ole Opry. Right. But we had her in that time where she knew she wasn't going to get inducted right away because it was the thick of COVID and they didn't know when they'd be able to do it. And they wanted to do it right and do and not just here you go. Come play later. They wanted to actually have the ceremony as real as possible. Right. So they did that. They were able to do that. And you wanted the hat show print since we had her as a guest. Mm-hmm. Well, we kept trying and trying. How do we get this to Rhonda? How do we figure this out? Do we send it to her publicist? The publicist sends it to Missouri, whatever, whatever. As soon as I realized I was going to be in Branson, she was going to be in Branson, and we were going to meet. I texted you in all caps, order your show print <laughs> and send it to my friend in Missouri. We will figure we will do this. So that poster, I got to tell everybody this because this cracks me up. And, Rhonda, if you're listening, please, this is the journey. This is hysterical. That poster went from Nashville, Tennessee, uh, from a very nice lady who was helping us because there were some issues with the online ordering, to uh, Branson, Missouri. I got there before it did. (laughs) Uh, To my friend's house, to my hotel, to the Mansion Theater all day long that thing was with me. To the public bathroom. Well, not out of the tube, I should say. It was in the tube. Right. Uh, it was with me when I went into the public bathroom to wash my hands. It was with me when I went in to interview Rhonda in the dressing room. She signed it. She told me to leave it there. I picked it up before Neil's show. It was with me in the seat next to me in Neil's show. Um, it was. Then it came back to the hotel with me. Then it went on the plane then it went to my apartment in DC into my best friend Isaac's car we went for breakfast to a place right next to a post office it went to that post office back across the country to your door <laughs> that thing went on a journey to get to you but now you have it framed and I do. that's great i i did not uh,
1: publish that yet i was kind of waiting for this episode uh, to kind of oh, cool. to kind of post that but um yes it went on just as much traveling as you have recently and uh, after the interview we'll get to uh more travel plans uh but this is an in-person interview so it's a uh, really yes. cool you were able to do that backstage uh, you know after her show
0: so and i want to say the reason we're airing this we were going to do this as a year in review because she's such a perfect guest for that mm-hmm. and it was a a perfect thing, but she has shows at the beautiful Mansion Theater in Branson coming up here in December 6th through 12. Uh, December 6th through 12, with special guests Jeannie Seely on some days and special guests Mo Bandy on some days. Nice. So it's going to be really, really exciting. Every show is going to be different, she says. And in this chat we talk about why she keeps coming back to Branson, the fact that she never stopped doing meet and greets, during the last year and a half when she got the chance to perform. Uh, And everything to do with her band, everything to do... We even delve into what I want to get into uh, later and the dynamics of a changing Branson and why people of her caliber don't necessarily perform in Branson anymore and why she is somebody who is championing shows in Branson uh, and why it is such a great place to play. So with uh, no further babbling from either of us, our interview with Rhonda Vincent. Alright, Rhonda Vincent in Branson, Missouri. Uh your first your very first show at the mansion, just saw that. Uh very first show. Why Branson? Why why come here and do this one show? What what attracted
2: you to this beautiful thing? Well first of all, I mean I grew up at Silver Dollar City performing in Branson. It's only two and a half hours from my house. I live at the Lake of the Ozarks in Missouri. So anytime I can play close to home is fun for me. And, uh, and so we, we were talking to the Mansion Theater about our Christmas show. And he said, hey, I have two dates because he has a, a normal series of shows that he does. He said, I have two dates that I need to fill. Would you come back in November? You know, we knew we were gonna do the Christmas show. But anyway, he invited us to be here now and, and I'm so glad that we got to be here and, and it's our first time here. So we're kind of getting the lay of the land and, and learning about the theater. I've, I've discovered, people said the sound is amazing. The, the the theater is just amazing. The people are amazing. So we love the we love being here at the mansion, and you know, sign me up every time.
0: How did it feel to you tonight, the crowd and, and everything? It
2: was wonderful. I mean, the Wild Bunch was here, mm-hmm. so it's always fun <laughs> when they're here. But no, it was it was just everything about it. And they were they're so at ease in there. I think it's because they've done this for so long. They're so professional. Everything there's there's nothing they haven't haven't thought of. Mm-hmm. They they cover every base from an incredible sound technician to the lights to, you know, every, so we basically just walked in and, and we just do our show. It's, it's really awesome. I love it. Uh, tomorrow night you say it's going to be different. What, are there songs you have to
0: do, uh, did, even though the set varies, vary, are there songs you have to do where the audience will kind of string you up or your players will string you and, up?
2: <laughs> well, there, my policy is if someone yells at, yells at a song in the audience, we just do it mm-hmm. right then usually unless there's a reason not to. But I I let the audience, because from today's show, we already have a list of songs that people want to hear for tomorrow. Right. And none of them are repeats that we did today. And so, I mean, I already know what we're going to start with tomorrow. We don't use a set list. So it's pretty easy to change it. All my worst thing is remembering not to do something we did yesterday. And if we do, it's not like, you know, the end of the world if we do it. But I, I just try to always make it different. That's kind of something we have branded with our show, is that it's always different and it's what we do so I always make sure especially we don't start with the same song um, and I may do un- because it's become a staple for us Unchained Melody and I Ain't Been Nowhere from our new album I may do those two but other than that it should be a totally uh, totally new songs and and I think it keeps us fresh it number one it keeps people coming back every day because if you're going to get a ticket for one day and i do the same show the next day there's really no reason for you to come back right so I we do that because we're doing six Christmas shows and we want people to there's people that have a ticket. The Talkingtons that I just was talking to. Yeah. They have they all four of them have tickets for all six shows.
0: Amazing. Amazing. Talk a little bit about coming back in December, Jamie Seeley, Mo Bandy, what's their role gonna be? Are they gonna open
2: for you? Are you gonna
0: do the show kind
2: of? T- Together. how's that gonna work? That's a completely different setup. If you didn't see our Christmas right. show last year, so so it's a totally different setup. We start the show with just me and the rage, Run of Events and the Rage, and we do Bluegrass Christmas. I have a Christmas CD where I wrote four new Christmas songs, so we do but we do a variety. Every day we do different set of Chris, Bluegrass Christmas. That's the first four songs. Uh, we have a special guest comedian. Last year it was Jared Doherty. We have a special uh, not Jarrett this year. So we have a surprise coming there. So that's to make the transition from bluegrass and they set up then my guys get ele- get electric bass or get on their respective instruments. We add, I introduce a steel player uh, who we have Alan Jackson, steel player coming, Rusty Danmeyer. Um, we have Josh Schilling on keys. He was with us last year. We have William Bagby, who is one of the most amazing guitarists i've ever met he's 23 years old and he's coming to play guitar and then the comedian like I did last year will also be the drummer so we set up we transition with the comedian into a country band i introduce the special guest that will be Jeannie seeley or then it'll be mo bandy or it'll be alex miller so that's our first half we take a break when we come back the second half because i have a lot of husbands that say uh, my wife drugged me to this christmas show and i don't want to hear all christmas songs so we do Four regular bluegrass songs, the Mule Skinner Blues, or something that we did not do Mm -hmm. uh, in Christmas wise. We do four bluegrass songs, and then we start into we do a living portrayal of the Nativity that is absolutely so special that I love very very much. We do that every night. Anyway, you just have to see that from. But it's in song, it's scripture, it's lights, it's baby Jesus is the spotlight, and uh, so we all and I you know I play Mary. So we all have our own characters that we portray in there. I sing, uh, the, I sing many songs. After the nativity, then I, cha- and I do have a wardrobe change, and I have this huge red with Santa fur around it, a gown that I come out, and I sing a medley of Christmas standards. So probably six of them, mm-hmm. and uh, with just the piano. And then we our special guest sings a Christmas song, and then we do the 12 days of Christmas with a lot of surprises. I recorded a celebrity version of the 12 Days of Christmas where 12 was the Oak Ridge Boys, 11 was Willie Nelson singing 11 Pipers Piping, oh 10 was Charlie Daniels, uh, 9 was Bill Anderson, 8 was Dolly Parton singing 8 Maids of Milken, 7 was Ronnie Millsap, uh, 6, Gene Watson, 5 was Larry Gatlin, uh, who was 4? I don't remember who 4 was. But 3 French hens was Jeannie Seeley, Lori Morgan and Pam Tillis, and then any <laughs> Sunshine. So we... Kind of recreate that we have some special surprises, and we do that. Uh, So it's something for everyone.
0: I love that. If somebody asked you to define bluegrass, what would you say?
2: Well, I I think the instrumentation dictates for the most part. Now, that's been modified a lot of times these days. But truly, uh, to describe bluegrass, it's done with acoustic instruments. You're not plugged in. Mm Uh, it's a banjo. It's the, you have a banjo, an acoustic guitar, a mandolin, an upright bass, not an electric bass, a fiddle, and a dobro, and and that you know the music. First of all, the instrumentation portrays that. Then you go into what style of bluegrass. From you know you have your early years, Bill Monroe, Flatten Scruggs, Ralph mm-hmm. Stanley. You know, and to different degrees, it depends on where you first heard bluegrass, what you might like. I prefer the Osborne brothers. I love them. That's maybe the second generation. You know, sort of a first generation, but really probably a second generation. To from Bill Monroe to that, the Osbournes.
0: That is something I noticed tonight. Is that unless unless I didn't see any chords, nobody was plugged in.
2: Uh, only the bass is what yep. th- is plugged in. That's what I thought. And that's just because it doesn't sustain otherwise. Right. And so yeah, we don't we don't plug any instruments, and it, we don't have any vocal effects. Everything that you hear is exactly what we're singing or playing.
0: It's beautiful, and you sing on a almost like a studio microphone you don't sing on a on a a sm58 you sing on a different shore can you talk about your choice of microphone
2: i use a large diaphragm microphone Uh, i was Still, because I when I played, I think it's because my father had me. I pull the mandolin up and play. Mm-hmm. I even if I have two microphones, it's such a habit. I play on one microphone, but I love the large diaphragm because it gives me mobility. I can walk over here and it will still capture within us. You know, because you can put the set a large diaphragm for whatever pattern that you want, mm-hmm. and so it gives me a, a, a space in which I don't have to just stand. I think. I think it's boring just to stand in front of the microphone. It gives me the freedom to walk around a little bit, to move, and that's why I use that. I, I much prefer that because I feel, if I just, like the Christmas shows, I will just have one because mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a wireless because I have to move it around. So I can't use that one. And, and I feel very cons- constrained and when I use that mm-hmm. um, because it's not my normal microphone, which is a little bit different.
0: You know, I want to ask this question because this town is very important to me. But if you don't want to answer it, that's fine. There are a lot of people, especially of late, and you have to understand, for me, I grew up with a grandmother who always came to Branson, always brought home the tapes, always would go to the Jim Stafford Theater or Mickey Gilly and bring home the tapes. So I love that that this is a town built for entertainers. But because of the fact the town is changing, entertainers of your caliber, uh, sometimes because of the stigma of it won't touch this town and i think they're they're missing out what do you say to entertainers who might be thinking twice
2: about Branson? well i don't really understand that concept i think because i grew up here Mm -hmm. and i love branson i do understand because last year we did the christmas shows and that was i put those all together myself i rented the theater and and did all that so i really got more of an understanding of branson now, for some people, because I think there are so many choices, you know, maybe the attendance might be smaller and they might be afraid of that. Right. A lot of people don't they you know, if I'm not gonna have a full house then I'm not gonna go play. You know, if you're an egomaniac and they, and you're afraid of <laughs> that, you're not gonna wanna you don't wanna put yourself out there to do that. Yeah. You know, um, you know, we've played from every size of audience from you know, I've got to sing the national anthem at the Kansas City Chiefs game, that might very well be the largest audience I ever sang in front of, I don't know. And there are like 80,000 people, I think, at that. Yeah. So, I'm very comfortable whatever the audience size is. and But I think if you're not, I think a lot of people look at that and they, they let that dictate. I, I heard, uh, or they feel like, I've heard, I've heard people describe, they didn't feel like they were as enthusiastic as they wanted. And mm-hmm. a lot of people, um, they are they they really can't perform if they don't feel like they're getting this applause. It's like, some sometimes people just want to they're soaking up the, the music and they just want to listen. Right. In fact, I'm one that, if I go, I want to I listen. I might find myself not even applauding because I'm so into the music so much. Oh, yeah. uh, I remember going to see James Taylor and he was mesmerizing. Just him and the guitar. So I, I'm, but I, I think it's whatever your personality is. And you know what? Branson is not just, it has a, a bit of a, there's a cookie cutter standard, you know, I'm going to do a show. It's a, like a variety show from yeah. theater to theater. But if you're an artist and you come in, you're going to draw your audience. So I guess I'm just not afraid of that. But I do I do understand that Branson is a different type of town. And, I mean, I embrace it. It's like family. I have so many friends here. I love coming here. It's like a family reunion. Yeah. And I, I am very much at home here. Now, do you get
0: to... Uh, two and a half hours is quite the drive. Do you get to go home and... and Lay your head on your own pillow. Or I'm not. No, I, I. stay. Yeah.
2: I. I mean, I could if I wanted to drive five hours. I yeah. guess. But yeah, I, I. just stay here. I have too much fun because I mean, literally all day I have talked to friends or Hey, I'm coming over here. Or Hey, do you want to do lunch? It's yeah. It's been a It's been a whirlwind day here of, of going and, and talking to everybody and getting set up and that's what I have to watch is I have to watch how much I talk because I can lose my voice, especially when we're doing six Christmas shows. And Mm -hmm. we did 37 last year. So I was very, very cautious. And you know, 37 shows we did, we signed whatever was no, you know, just meeting everyone, greeting everyone. No one, not one person got sick on the cast. It was amazing.
0: And that's amazing. And it's one thing that you're doing that we've kind of been tracking at the Music Universe, which is when meet meet and greets will return. And I just Are you kidding me? Half an hour, <laughs> half an hour hanging out with you, with your crowd. You're not scared at all. No, you
2: know? I, I've never, I've never varied from that. I've, all last year when we, when we did the shows, we did the Christmas shows, and no, I'm not i I'm not afraid. I put my, my faith in God, and so you know, I'm, I'm just not fearful of that. We've been as business as usual since last August. Wow. But that's what I. We just played a couple of places that have just opened up, and it's like what have you been doing? <laughs> I said, oh no, we've been close. We were the first show. Several shows that we just played were like that. But like, no, we've been we've been going, we did our first show at the end of August and, and we had almost a full a full schedule and then go. It was a little sparse the first quarter last year, mm-hmm. or I mean, uh, this year, yeah. but then we're back to a normal schedule now.
0: That's amazing. And your band, The Rage, I mean, some of the best musicians I've ever heard. You're... Oh,
2: they are. I'm so, so thrilled that I get to travel with these incredible musicians.
0: How do you, how did you find them? I mean, we don't have to go through everyone individually, but when you're putting your band together or in the unfortunate case that somebody leaves and you have to find someone, what's that process like for you for putting that band together?
2: Well, I mean, it depends on if if somebody, I usually, we listen to musicians all the time at the festivals. Mm -hmm. Keep an eye open for that, I guess, in case there was. I don't really consciously think about that, but we love the music, first of all. So we listen to musicians. So when an opening happens, we're probably aware of, like Hunter, uh, you know, I saw him when he was first probably 15 or 16 years old. The minute I needed a fiddle player, I knew he fit my, by that time he was 17 when he joined me. Yes. So I see these young musicians, as soon as I, if I needed somebody, I keep the, I kind of file that away and say, ooh, I'm gonna give him a call. Uh, Zach actually, who I just hired, you know, I had met him at a show a year earlier, and he ran up to me and he goes, I wanna sing with you. I said, okay. So we sang a song in a jam on stage. And, and then when I needed somebody, I remembered his voice. And I remembered him. Because he came up to me and said, I want to sing with you. And I remembered how incredible his voice was and how our voices blended. So just, just keep an eye, I think, an ear open. And when that opening occurs, we, we all talk about, hey, who would, who would fit this spot best?
0: Well, and that's, and that's kind of a roundabout way to give advice to the people who are constantly honing uh, their craft, performing on festivals, performing on stage. You never know. Who's listening? Who's paying attention? To That's you. right. Follow your dreams because you sit on stage tonight. Now, uh, Zach has achieved his dream 11 times. Of playing on the Opry. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's going
2: to be 13 by Saturday. Yes. yes. And by May, he'd never been on the Opry before. <laughs> wow. So at 21 years old, he will have been have performed on the Opry 13 times at the age of 21. And I mean, people aspire at whatever age to be on the opry one time Mm -hmm. so i just think that is so amazing i love that i love that i get to be part of making someone else's dream come true
0: real quick before i let you go tell us about the new album where people can find it and uh cute little mandolin uh, isn't that the usb drive drive. yeah
2: so it's on it's on cd and it's on usb that is a replica of my mandolin it's not just any mandolin but um but it's available on both of those you can get it at ronda or wherever you listen to music, or wherever you... Your Ernest Hub record shop in, uh, in Nashville has, has the new CD, and so many other places, but wherever you listen to music. And, you know, it, it is, has a lot of threads, to The Opry, with uh, Jeannie Seeley, wrote Like I Could. Uh, there's a song written and recorded by Porter Wagner in 1972, What Ain't To Be Just Might Happen, Webb Pierce, Slowly. We have new songs. We have probably the very first bluegrass version of Unchained Melody. And then there's the parody to uh, I Been Everywhere. It says I Ain't Been Nowhere. That's oh. the perfect quarantine song. So there's a, a lot of new and old classics. And I think, once again, something for everybody. That's what we always try to do.
0: I love it. Rhonda Vincent, it always brings a smile to my face when I can talk to you, hear you play. This was a
2: pleasure. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you very much.
0: Isn't she fun? She is so fun and she is so honest. You heard me ask that question about... You know, I said, if you don't want to answer it or not, that's fine. But I got to ask this question because I'm somebody who cares about this town a lot. You, we hear all the time that people of your caliber, o- Opry member, releasing best-selling albums, Grammy nominees, they don't come here anymore. What ke- what keeps you coming back? And what's changing, And you know, because the truth is, and I will, the truth is, even some artists who have been routed through Branson just to do a date or two at one of the bigger theaters in the mansion is one of those gorgeous big theaters. It was originally one of Wayne Newton's theaters. He had a couple in town, one with Tony Orlando. I'm um, not sure which one this was, but it's a, it was built to be a big mega spectacle theater. I mean, it's as big as I mean, you could do a full scale Broadway production in there and they are. They're going in that yeah. direction as well. Um, so, and the mansion people, I want to say, were great. But one of the things I heard throughout the week is that when the stars get routed in Branson, what that signals to all the other buyers, be they promoters or other theaters who do their own buying in, is that their career is over. They're playing in the retirement community of entertainers, and hmm. even that's not fair. I I agree. I agree. But there are a couple of things at play that are, in my mind, problematic. They are, number one, there's too many shows. Mm -hmm. The shows in Branson are great, but you don't have a billion tourism dollars coming there anymore. So you have 50 theaters with over 100 shows in them. And so even your headliners are not going to draw the kind of house box office they would in even another small town like Lancaster which has a theater very similar to Mansion or the Welk Theater uh, called the American Music Theater. And we're talking Carol Burnett sold out that that theater, right? But because Branson is A, a tourism destination, and B, has so many options, not just shows, you're not going to do your box office. Right. Number two is the shows that are there are a lot of review shows. You don't get the headliners anymore, which is what... Marshall is pushing towards bringing some people in to sit down for for a little longer. And so it is rare to see somebody like a a Rhonda Vincent sit down and, and do something like that. But it just means that there's work to be done. We have to see how do we do that? How do we get back to it? Because Marshall tells me that shows are still the number one draw for tourism in Branson. But so many of them are review shows done by people who are not only in the show but they're the owner of the show so they're responsible for paying rent to the theater they're responsible for their ticket sales they're responsible for running the box office right. it's it's all them especially if the lease is triple net um, one of the theaters I won't say which one they produce their shows in house but they're again the performers and so they're owners and they're managers and so they're making some money but there again you have a singer and a dancer who's also the box office manager who heads a team who has to go backstage and get changed but also has to make sure they're making their numbers right.
1: they're they're taking on many hats in order to make it work exactly. i'm sure if they could afford to hire somebody to do that full time so they could focus on their job as entertaining they would because I, oh, sure. I know I've probably said this on this show before in some capacity, but when I looked into to moving there uh, years and years ago, um, just for a different, you know, just to feel more like home again, um, I was told that the scene had changed so much that if you're the entertainer, you're you know you might be a band member, but you're also taking tickets, you're also helping with parking, things like that. Something that as a musician myself I'm I can't focus on those things if I'm trying to focus on the music so you have to give right. it to them for being able to do that but it's not something I felt like would be a good fit for me so I just opted
0: to stay where I am the other thing is and this is the thing that could offend people because listen if you go to Branson I love you I automatically mm-hmm. love you you are keeping something alive that I that I really am scared of losing i'll, I'll just right. say it i'm scared of losing it um a lot of it has gone away in, in a lot of respects but it can come back with new and different artists if you go to branson i love you i don't know what it is about what i'm going to say and i don't want to blame it on the people i want to be clear about that because there are a lot of motor coaches that still go a lot of tour groups that will that will rent out these motor coaches and do these bus trips down to Branson from all over the country. And that's the bread and butter. That's how the theaters make the money, is selling to these large groups of 50 or 80 people that are coming on the buses. I don't know what it is, but there is something that when you go see a show in Branson, the audiences treat the experience more like going to a movie. Than going to see a concert interesting or going to see a play more like a movie more like something that you're not really there there's a disconnect and it was my a uh, friend who's a performer in Branson who who at one day after a particularly rough crowd was like you know these audiences they have no respect they feel like they're at a movie da, 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 da. you know they're not at a show. There is a disconnect. I don't know if it's the fact that they sell concessions, but every place now sells concessions from the smallest of theaters to the biggest of arenas. You got your food and your drinks and your candy and whatever. So I don't think it's that, but there is a phenomenon where it is treated more novelty-like than, wow, I'm at an experience. See, I'll give you a perfect example dichotomy for, for me was going to see Mickey Gilly. I'm singing along to every word, which we talked about in a different episode. Mm -hmm. I'm singing along to every word, okay, like he's come to me in D.C. or something, you know, and I've gone to see him at the Anthem versus, or at the Birchmere, versus, um, you know, going to see a Christmas review show. It was a little more laid back. It was a little more, oh, this was cute. I still try to be respectful of the fact that I'm at a show in a way that perhaps some audiences aren't doing or aren't aware that they're not doing. Right. But certainly there's a, a difference between, and even in seeing Mickey Gilley, the people that w- were there, because he only does about six dates a year at the theater anymore, uh, wanted to see Mickey Gilley. The people were who went to see the Christmas show I saw were, oh, it's a show. We're in Branson and that's what you do. You go see a show. So there's an apathy that has seeped in, that is very, very interesting to me. And I think the way to get rid of that apathy is to bring in shows that the bus tours, even with Neil McCoy, I will say this, I will say this publicly, it was a fantastic show, Neil was very, very funny, uh, did a show that tried to appeal to everybody. He had about four buses come see him. And again when you're on a bus trip, you kind of got to do something for everybody. You got to have your celebrity concert, your Christmas show. You got to do something in the Ozark Hills. You know, you got to have something for everybody. Yeah. So instead of that show being filled with Neil McCoy fans, it was filled with people who, and I'm not going to say the people on the buses weren't fans of his. There were people who were laughing and smiling and singing along with uh, his biggest hits. But most of that crowd was itinerant to his show. They weren't there because they bought a ticket because they were dying to see Neil McCoy right. like I was that they got us in and we're gonna I'm gonna have a review coming up. I've just been so sick uh, it was a fantastic show and thank you Les and McCoy's team for getting us in but the vibe would have been different if I'd have seen him at a summer festival stop because. Right. A good third, if not two thirds, of that crowd was itinerant to him. Now, granted, there were more people to see him than I thought because all the people on the buses got the heck, excuse me, got the heck out of there uh, <laughs> right after because they got to get back to the bus and stay on their schedule. There was a long line of people to meet Neil after the show—a very long line, I will say that. So it's not like he didn't have fans there. But I asked him to do hillbilly rap, which is. He does this rap version of the yeah. theme song to the Beverly Hillbillies. I love that song. It, it's a great song. And uh, he shouts, Dale, to start it. And you can see all the people from the buses going, what's he doing now? <laughs> what the heck? What they had no why idea. Why are we going to Jamaica? What, what's, <laughs> what, why are we getting daylight? Come and me one go home. Like what? Yeah. Why are we getting this? <laughs> and he goes, don't get scared now. This was a request. We'll do it. And then it'll be over. <laughs> and he did it, and I loved it, and his hardcore fans loved it, but these people from the buses were like, "What what is going on?"
1: Yeah, they didn't what-
0: understand it. So, there is a disconnect with Branson audiences in the way they interact with the shows they're seeing. I don't want to lay the blame on the people. I certainly don't because they come to Branson. They want to come to Branson. They want that experience. And they have that experience in their own way. But I don't know if it's atmospheric or what. I just worry that the fact that it's a little more laissez-faire might be affecting how the shows are doing. Um, yeah. it, it, word it's, of mouth. Right.
1: It's more or less they didn't have a choice to see that show. They're part of the group. Sure. They came. They're going to make the most of it and move move on to the next and yeah i i I can see that it's a shame that it's come to that because i remember when i've been to branson if i didn't know who they were i wasn't interested in going
0: not to say i didn't i want to say it's not something that it's come to buses have always been a big part of the tourism industry oh yeah but it you it used to be thousands of buses a year uh but now it's hundreds but the uh The thing was back then, you know, if you were going, you were excited. You had the show, you were excited to see it. Was Roy Clark, or it was, or it was, uh, it was Glenn Campbell, or Jim Stafford, or Mickey Gilly, or the Shoji Tabuchi show was legendary. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nowadays, you're going, and not to knock the shows, but it's hard to generate that same level of excitement for uh, a Christmas review show, or a stampede dinner show right i'm trying to be generic i don't want to call out any one show because the shows aren't the problem right the model of attracting people and the atmosphere to me is the problem well let me ask you this because you you've
1: lived there when you interned for gym and you've it's one of your favorite places to go do you think the pandemic had anything to do with that Cultural change, or was it already going? No, that, that was direction? a thing
0: that was happening. It was a thing that was happening. But all the other people were leaving or trying to get out, and nobody knew it was coming in. But why do you think that turned that way? Any ideas? Perception that Branson is where you go to end your career? But how did it come to that? I mean, Branson I, was hopping. I don't know. Because here's what I always loved about Branson it was the laboratory feel. Jim had a road show and it was quite body. Uh Jim Stafford. Mm-hmm. He was quite if you go listen to some of his stuff his songs aren't R-rated by any means but they're they're not G-rated kitty stuff either. PG-13. So you know, the PG-13. So when he was on the he, when he was on the road he would make jokes about Florida looking like a penis and <laughs> you know cuz he's from Florida he's not wrong. He would you know, it would well, I say uh Maryland is a less-hung Florida, if you look at it. Oh, uh, <laughs> God, the things I say on this show. Well, Missouri's pretty hung itself. What? Missouri's pretty hung itself. Missouri looks like a boot. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, I mean, the boot could be a really well-hung penis. The point is, <laughs> Jim had a road show where he made jokes and did his guitar virtuosity and sang his songs. And then he came to Branson. And he arguably got more famous than he ever was when he came to Branson. Right. Sure, everybody knew his hits. But he did amazing gimmicks, uh, hysterical stuff, amazing stuff with his theater, 3D uh, 3D film, a flying saucer. there was a tornado. He had a bunch of kids who he put through dance school uh, that would dance in his in his show and their payment was they would get put through dance school and they would do a, a chicken dance. Uh mm. It was very cute. Interesting. He had some of the most advanced lasers at one point, his screen behind him was the largest and most innovative screen in, in the country. Okay. He sat down and it became his laboratory. And that is what attracted these people is you because not only could you sit down and get off the road and they come to you but you can design a show. You right. can design. Mickey Gilly used to have like twelve jacket changes a concert because he would go off stage, come back on, go off stage, come back on. Uh, Shoji Tabuchi, I mean, his production value was rivaled Vegas, uh, and the bathrooms in his theater like made national publications. I mean, he was opulent upon bathrooms? on top of opulent. Yes, look it up. Look up Shoji Tabuchi Women's restroom Okay It's award winning And then the men's room Had a pool table <laughs> I'll be damned Oh yeah Restroom I'm, lounge Wow
1: There's the pool table uh, I'll say The Riverfront Times Out of, New, uh, out of uh, St. Louis Its uh, tagline is Holy crap Branson Theater Wins award for Best bathroom in US <laughs> Let's leave it at that <laughs> And this is from, let's
0: see if the article's still there. This is from 2009. Yeah. So there were times when, um, there was a time, when people were taking pride in the shop they were building. Right. Now, those shops are hollow theaters that are home to review shows. And the people in the review shows are very talented. But it breaks my heart because nobody is coming to Branson because they want to hear a jukebox review show. Mm-hmm. I don't care what time of year it is. Those shows are sold by the buses. So, they make their money thanks to the buses, I should say. Right. So, the question is, uh, the the biggest show in Branson that sells really well is the Hughes Brothers. They have a good reputation. And Six does really well. But th- I can't say, hey, there's this headliner in Branson who is used to be famous and on the road, and now they're who is famous and was on the road, and now they've set up shop at Branson. And there, there's a class of people it didn't work out for. It didn't work out for Johnny Cash. didn't work out for Wayne Newton. didn't work out for uh, uh, Willie Nelson. Right. Yeah. There's a story with Willie. Eh, uh, they're not weed friendly. <laughs> Everybody, when I say there's a story, that's what they think it is. But no, he came in town. Did his show, got off stage, people didn't leave. They thought it was intermission. (laughs) Because in Branson, you have to have an intermission uh, to sell your gift shop. Also, the other thing that is, (laughs) I love it because I'm a very patriotic person, but at the slightest mention of the flag, everybody is on their feet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And to me, I loved it when I was younger, but to me now... I'm of the opinion you only stand if it's the national anthem. We're talking America the Beautiful or God Bless the USA. Anytime they go into the patriotic segment, they get the standing ovation. And to me, uh, I know what they're standing for. I know what it's doing to their heart, and I respect it. But to me, you only stand for our national anthem and for the Pledge of Allegiance. Well, you know. It's, but it's Branson, and it's what yeah. they do. It, at least it's not California, I'll put it that way. <laughs> exactly. They're placed people who who appreciate our country and appreciate what the veterans exactly. sacrificed. Because out here,
1: it, it, the,
0: that opinion's for another show. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, I could go on and on for Branson, but I just wanted to offer my insight. And look, none of this in my mind is negative. It's all important observations to help Branson continue to grow. I spoke with a, I'll leave you with this. I spoke with a cab driver from South Africa who Mm -hmm. had moved to the U.S. and settled in Branson. Oh, wow. And he loves it. He loves it. Me, even, and I've told you, me, there are some creature comforts that even for as much as I love rural areas, there are some creature comforts that even Branson is missing that I'm like, uh... I don't know if I could do without this kind of store or without this access to this. Uh, He's like, Branson, he said to me, Branson is growing, this cab driver said to me, Branson is growing so much over the next few years, just watch. So I don't know what the tourism industry will be, but perhaps the residential industry will grow and will dictate that. So I predict only good things for Branson. I want only good things for Branson, and I want to help preserve its history. I love that town. And I love Rhonda for speaking to me in a town that helped shaped who she is. So for the Music Universe podcast, I am a very stuffed up bat.
1: <laughs> and, um, buddy, we have big news on our year-end review that you're going to want to tune into. And uh, I, I think think people they are gonna like
2: Mother
0: it
1: so we'll get to that on our year-end review we it do it have a couple of others coming shore. up that we're gonna be um sharing with you that uh, we got a little behind on with some of the more um more timely we interviews so we've anybody. got uh, matt you can stop singing so we have <laughs> <laughs> we'll have our year-end review so which we will unveil this news coming are. up and actually That is going to run on New Year's Eve, so you're going to want to tune in. Uh, We'll take Christmas off. That will run New Year's Eve. We'll share the news. We're also going to recap our Vegas trip that is coming up here later this week. So tune in to social media so you can check out some updates. We'll have some reviews up. But we're going to save all of the big news and all the Vegas recaps for our New Year's Eve show for our new uh annual year-end review that we started last year so be sure to tune in i'm buddy for the music universe podcast thank you guys so much for checking out themusicuniverse.com and for hitting that subscribe like and share button see you next time